0: Broadcast system, hello, and welcome to the 168th annual subliminal deception podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Of bullshit. My name is Cody, I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing all right, Cody. Actually, I, I wanted to start off the episode really quick. Uh, I don't, I know you really don't eat too much fast food anymore,
0: correct? Uh, no, not very often.
1: I I also don't eat that much fast food. When I do treat myself, it's either usually Freddy's or Dairy Queen. Both have really good cheese curds. So I really want to... I don't know how to quite say this. The peasantry really isn't holding up their end of the bargain as of late, (laughs) let's just say. Okay. So I went to Dairy Queen this past weekend. Uh, They have a really good burger. It's called the A1 Burger. They also... I ordered... That, and I ordered a small order of fries and a small order of cheese curds to kind of go with it. And a lemonade. Now, they got the lemonade correct. The problem is when I pulled around, the stoner dude who handed me my food basically said, Did you order the fries? And I was like, yeah, I ordered the fuck fries. Everyone here ordered fries. It's it's fucking fast food, dumbass. But I was like, the cheese curds too, right? He's like... Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Hands and over. And normally, at that point, I would open up my bag, but I was kind of running. I wanted to get home because I had, you know, work and shit. I get home. Not only did they not have my cheese curds, they barely had any fries in the little dish they gave you, gave me. Also, the fucking burger was wrong. It was basically, like, instead of, like, the, like, $9 burger that I ordered, it was, like, one of those cheapy little, like, $4 burgers with just like one patty and ketchup and mustard and that's it well i was fucking pissed <laughs> like i'm honestly they're getting paid 15 fucking dollars an hour now you know it's it's crazy like
0: i don't know It's <laughs> well uh yeah i i get what you're saying but also we have to be aware number one this is a psa for marijuana this is what it does to you kids you makes you less efficient at your job number two is in america um fast food is given a pass almost 99 percent of the time so it's just kind of it comes with the territory of having cheap food i don't know you get cheap workers young kids who probably don't give a shit i mean i was debating getting back like packing my food back up getting
1: into the car and pulling a fucking Karen walking in Ooh. there and just dropping the bag on the fucking counter being like, it's wrong. Make it again. Even though it had been like probably 15 minutes at that point, I was fucking pissed, but I didn't cause I'm a decent human being.
0: Okay. So. Thank you. One for-
1: PSA though. If you would have asked me at that time, I would have said you could lower the minimum wage back down to about six fifty, right where it probably belongs.
0: <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, let's not do that. But, um, I don't know. I guess you could have went back and just say, Hey, my order's wrong. And then they fix it and you probably get free onion rings or something. Um, I don't know. It's, it's dairy queen, Phil. I also, I thought you were going to, when you said you wanted to talk about dairy queen, I thought you were going to say you got some delicious ice cream. I know. they have. I don't get ice cream from dairy queen. Usually. I know they have good food too, but man, that, uh, I mean, obviously there's better ice cream, but it, ice cream from a drive-thru is so simple.
1: Yeah, they have a a place out here called Cold, Cold Stone Creamery that has yeah. really good ice cream. So I like to go uh, to that place and get it.
0: You got to get out of your car, though. True. Yeah. So, but,
1: I mean, really, you get to go inside where it's cool. Like, when you wait in the drive-thru in Arizona, basically, like, you have your window open. It's hot as fuck. You know, the air conditioner cannot keep up. Without fucking hot it is during the summer here, so
0: <laughs> all the more reason for you to be getting ice cream then.
1: Yeah, that's true. Is, the shitty thing is, if you like wait until you get home to eat it, even though even if you only live like ten minutes away, it's gonna be melty as shit by the time you get home. But
0: that's all right. You know what, Phil? I gotta say, um sometimes the world works in mysterious ways, and you bringing this up about Dairy Queen and. They're underpaid workers and... the type-
1: Overpaid workers.
0: <laughs> Hold on now. You get the <laughs> workers that you paid for. I'm sorry, I'm sticking by that. And the business model of a fast food joint is to pay them as least as possible, maximize their profits. If you got to fire somebody who cares, you get another slappy in there. That's kind of their business model. But what I was going to say here is you bringing that up is... Kind of a what do they call that? A um, why can't I think of the word like a coincidence? Uh, relating to what we're about to talk about,
1: <laughs> it was very serendipitous that I brought yeah. it up. Is that what you're thinking?
0: Yeah, but the paranormal people have like a very specific word for it uh, synchronicity. That's the word they always use. Okay, so that's Zach Baggins, right? Nah, not him. It's the guy from Hellier. If you guys haven't watched it on Amazon Prime, by the way, pretty good about aliens and shit. I like it. But uh, Zach Baggins, though, also someone who should make six dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah. True, honestly, true. I don't know. He's a he's an interesting guy. I'm sure at one point he did work at Dairy Queen. Um, and Phil, you saying all this? I'm just gonna say, I would find a different Dairy Queen, maybe because. If anybody there's listening, you might be getting your food spit in or something, so maybe find a different Dairy Queen, okay?
1: Oh, I'm sure with all of the near homeless people that they have working at these fast food places now, plenty of drool gets into the food,
0: so. (laughs) That's why it tastes so good. All right. Possibly. (laughs) On this week's episode, we'll be diving into what I might consider to be unexplored territory on Subliminal Deception The world of evil corporations. You know, sure, Phil and I, we joke about Bezos and Elon Musk, and I can almost guarantee they've done some nefarious shit. They just have not been caught yet. But the company we're going to be focusing on today actually offers a food that, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say at least 80% of our listeners are going to assume is innocent, and it just tastes good to some people. The food item we're going to be discussing today is bananas. Now, Phil, I need your opinion of the banana. I will say perfect food. Perfect food. Yeah,
1: tastes good, good for you, easy to open container. You know, you can carry it around and not get like the mushy part on your hands because you got the, the, it has its own wrapper, and it
0: fits perfectly in your hand. It's great. You know what? Your explanation here. Have you ever seen the I think it's Kirk Cameron? Yes. He him eating that banana and describing how sexual it is even though he's not trying to. It's just <laughs> it's it's something to behold. Um
1: I believe was he also the one who said that God created bananas to be perfectly fit inside of a human yeah. being's hand? Yep. Yeah. Yes he did. And not And not because human beings bred the shit out of those things (laughs) so that they would be like the perfect size and the perfect, you know, amount that grows. It's God did it. Yeah. I love that. That was actually,
0: yeah. I love that. You know what I, speaking of God, um, you know what I learned today and maybe you already knew this information, um, that apparently, or they speculate, this is even if you believe in dinosaurs, Phil and I believe in dinosaurs, uh, the raptor is they suspect would have been on average about three foot tall and weighed about 30 pounds. So not quite as intimidating as Spielberg wants you to believe.
1: No, um, I actually did not realize, I've never heard that they were that small. I did hear that they have were like covered in feathers.
0: Yeah, well, th- it's speculated because obviously, I don't know if it's the chicken, but one of those birds, again, if you believe in evolution came from the fucking raptor. So it almost had to have at least a few feathers. Yeah. I
1: think it's pretty much the, the birds are descendants of those tiny little dinosaurs. So the, what is it? There was a guy in the 1800s who was eating quail and he pretty much realized that dinosaur bones and chicken bones were, or quail bones were like kind of the same deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It's very interesting. What would be more terrifying to you? Okay, you're getting attacked by a pack of these raptors, right? Are you more scared if they have all feathers or if they have, like, mostly reptile skin with a few feathers? Mostly reptile skin. Okay. I would say, yeah. I was going to say, there's something kind of intimidating about a lot of feathers. Don't know What would you be more afraid of?
1: A raptor-sized chicken or a chicken-sized raptor? Are you sure you're not
0: saying like a pack of chicken-sized raptors? No, no, one on one. A one on one. Oh man. Uh, and I'm talking about
1: the. Of course, I'm talking about what is that fucking movie? Jurassic Park. Yeah. Of course,
0: I'm talking about the Jurassic Park raptors. If there's a chicken that big, that'd be kind of scary. Oh, definitely. They yeah, got. I think I could take them though. <laughs> they've got big talons, man. You gotta watch out. I gotta say though, before I continue on here. I wasn't sure if you liked bananas or not. I, so I'm kind of surprised you are a fan of bananas.
1: Yes. Uh, so I used to be allergic to them when I was younger, and I'm not allergic to anything anymore, luckily. But uh, since I've been eating better, I actually have been eating uh, bananas for breakfast.
0: Okay. So it's
1: one of the fruits that uh, the place I work at kind of just has that you can buy from the uh, the cafeteria.
0: Okay. Well, my goal by the end of this is to shock people into maybe considering buying from a different banana company. Um, so, so there was, basically, I'm going to sort uh, acknowledge this resource here. Um, I did kind of use mostly internet, but there was one good documentary that was literally titled Banana Land, Blood, Bullets, and Poison. So, if it focuses, we're not going to focus on what they mostly focus on, But it's a pretty good documentary. It's a little bit of a snooze fest, but overall, it's all right. What documentaries aren't a snooze fest, though? Hey, there's some good ones. There's some all right ones. Yeah. All right. Now, maybe this will come as a surprise, but bananas are actually the most popular fruit in the United States, with around 75% of all consumers purchasing bananas which is understandable because, yes, they do taste pretty good, as you alluded to, and they're full of nutrients such as potassium, vitamin B6, vitamin C, magnesium, copper, and manganese. They also help you feel full because of their so- soluble fiber that also prevents you from overeating. I'm going to say something about this real quick. I, I was watching this video, and it's supposed to be like a pathetic video or whatever, cringe video. And it was a guy, and he had this, like, tablespoon of this white powder. He's like, you know what this is? This is 100% uh, plant fiber protein or some shit. And he poured it in his water, and it turned it into, like, uh, look like baby food. He's like, they are genetically engineering this out of your food so you keep overeating. And, of course, it was, like, this guy selling it you know, like magic powders to help you lose weight or something.
1: Oh, yeah, make your dick bigger, hair grow back, fucking, yeah, exactly. So
0: I don't know how they would be genetically engineering fiber out of food, but I just want everybody to know if you're looking for a fiber that helps you feel fuller, bananas are a good option for you. Okay. Now, bananas, outside of just being a fruit, they're actually... They were a superhero in a movie, the historical documentary Honey I Shrunk the Kids. There's one of the kids, remember he's like kind of getting sick and he's dying and yep. the mom's an inch tall, she's yelling at him and they need he needs potassium. I don't know what disease he has, but he needs potassium and the kids jam that banana down his throat and all of a sudden he's better again. So banana instantly better. Yeah. That's, that's how, that's how it goes. Uh, He didn't choke or anything. He just, he just swallowed that (laughs) bitch. He was was a real pro. He could have got turned
1: out on the streets real quick. (laughs) I will say quick episode note. You're thinking of Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Is it We Shrunk Ourselves? I believe so. So Honey, We Shrunk, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is when they shrink the kids and the kids are in the front yard. Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves is when the adults are shrunk and the kids have a party. They invite Mia Kunis over. They have a party. And then the third one is when they blow up the toddler.
0: Ah, yes. Make them yes. real big. Yep. I remember. Okay. You are right. I It's been so long since I've seen this. The only thing I really remember from those movies is them like riding the ant. Was it the kids who ride, rode the ant around?
1: Yes. It was the kids okay. who rode the ant around. Okay. Yep.
0: I always remember. I was like, man, that sound, that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> I wish I had a an ant I could ride around. Now, oh yeah, definitely
1: the uh, the third movie where the kid basically has a giant car because uh, the car's in his pocket. He you know blew up with him, so there was like a huge toy car outside <laughs> that was pretty cool. I always thought.
0: <laughs> now, uh, finally, bananas. Lesser known fact, guys. They make one of the best fa- <laughs> phallic items. On the market and are a popular choice amongst public schools when they teach their kids how to properly put a condom on safe safe sex is important guys, and a banana is here to help that
1: is true it's uh pretty much all of the TV shows whenever they have their sex set, it's always a condom being put on a banana. We went to Catholic school, so we just got the you know very how to feel miserable about yourself and your body. Fucking videos
0: that they show. Catholic school kids. I remember our sex ed video. They, I remember they took the girls to like the girls restroom. And they took the boys to the boys restroom. I don't even remember what they said. But we. Ha- I do remember in the classroom we had to watch a Tony Danza sex ed video. And I have searched so far all over the internet. And I could not find that safe sex video yeah no it's (laughs) probably one of
1: those things where he only made what they only made like 100 copies and they just went out to like
0: the worst sex ed programs in the whole country (laughs) you know what's actually fun is that i wonder if that guy's dead like i haven't seen him anywhere possibly i have no idea i haven't seen him in anything for a while uh by the way i made one side note here like i said um where they say bananas are the most popular, where about 75% of all consumers purchase bananas. I think it's a little bit of a, while yes, it is the most popular, apples are at 72%, so it's not that great of a gap, you know what I'm saying? So bananas and apples are fairly close as far as popularity goes. Oh, one of the things is apples survive a lot longer kind of deal
1: bananas you get them home and they're already starting to go bad by the time you get them in the little you know i have a bunch holder that is on my counter and basically by the time i wake up the next morning they're about 50 percent bad they've already got like the brown lines on them and everything
0: apple stay good for you know a, a little bit longer um i i don't think that that ne- here's the other uh, actually once we get into this once we get deep into this I think bananas actually do last a lot longer, Phil. It's just they've got a much further journey (laughs) than apples do uh, to get in your belly, you know, here in America. Additionally, Phil, uh, you bring up a good point in uh, that documentary. They were showing a Chiquita banana propaganda video (laughs) where they were saying they were literally telling people like, don't put your bananas in the freezer or refrigerator because... They go bad that way, which is actually a lie that they have told people. So they spoil and then um, they have to buy more. Yeah, I have never actually eaten a like the whole
1: bunch. I buy them. I usually well here I I cheat and I rip them off, but I usually rip myself off about three or four and I have never made it through all four of the bananas before the fourth
0: one has gone completely bad. Also, bananas, health-wise, good for smoothies. I've never been a smoothie person, never really made them, but they are good for that. Well, one thing, too, I actually forgot. My mom, whenever she would buy bananas and then put them in the freezer
1: and then basically thaw them out, and they were perfect for banana bread. Yeah. Some people do that. Yeah. Yep. They let them go bad, basically.
0: Now, one aspect that is really interesting about bananas is that there are... Literally, over thousands of different species, breeds of bananas. But companies like Chiquita, they only grow one strain that is known as Cavandish bananas. It you, Their main banana used to be the Gross Michelle strain, but that went extinct after a disease killed them off. And We'll, we'll kind of talk more about that um, now. The thing that's kind of interesting, and I still can't quite wrap my head around, is uh, all these banana fields, they only use one specific breed of banana. And that's dangerous because if one banana gets a disease, it kills all of them. Which is how, like, the gross uh, uh, Michelle strain went bad. Now, this is apparently what they do. The bananas are sterile and dependent on propagation via cloning, either by using suckers or cutting take cuttings taken from the underground stem and through modern tissue culture. So kind of one of the reasons they continue to use the same banana is so they have a perfectly uniformed cloned banana. So the banana your pile of bananas are the exact same bananas that Your neighbor next door is probably eating because they just constantly keep cloning these fucking bananas. So they all look look like perfectly uniformed. Just like Seattle. It doesn't matter if you're in
1: (laughs) just like Starbucks. It doesn't matter if you're in Seattle, Chicago, New York. You're going to get the same cup of coffee.
0: I bet they wish they could clone coffee. I don't know. Maybe they
1: can. I bet they can. It uh, it comes in a cherry, uh, the little coffee seed and uh, originally from Ethiopia. Not originally from South America, but
0: yeah, I bet they do the same thing with coffee. I re- you know I was re- the Folger Nazis. <laughs> I remember I don't, somebody I work with is talking about I don't know if they're reading a book or something about a guy, um, not necessarily like Starbucks, but like a smaller company who has really good coffee. And it was basically this guy detailing, like, if he goes to South, Amer- South America, he wants to buy certain beans from, like, a small village or something. Let's just say in Argentina. Well, he found out pretty quickly he has to pay off the cartels, like, the drug runners and all that, to be allowed to buy coffee from the small village. Like, there's, like, a... It's almost like the the mafia out there kind of, like, putting that barrier up. Like, we got to get some money, too, if you're going to get coffee from these little villagers here. It's almost like the cartel is into crime. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought about that. Well, here's the difference between coffee and bananas. Uh, Banana is a criminal organization as well, but technically what, they, what they're they doing is legal.
1: Oh, yeah. that's well, well, I know you're talking about probably maybe Chiquita today and maybe the company that like turned into Chiquita.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're okay. going to be... Uh, We're going to be focusing on Chiquita, but keep in mind, Dole is basically the exact same company, so just focus on them too. Um, Now, another very important aspect about bananas, and you probably saw this when you bought bananas last week or whatever, is they're a lot cheaper than any other produce, even though they are grown- (laughs) You know, in Central America, South America or the Caribbean, they're not local yep. here, but apples and oranges that are grown in the United States are significantly higher priced. And that is uh, done on purpose by these banana companies, because as you can probably imagine, and we're going to talk about um, some on un- what we might call, quote unquote, unethical labor practices, <laughs> possibly yeah you might
1: call it slave
0: labor (laughs) yeah it's it's not as bad as it was before but it's still not great yeah there was the um what was it the hacienda
1: system or something like that um back in in mexico and central america during the 1800s basically led to a lot of like revolutions and socialist revolutions and um pretty much it was you know, feudal, like the feudal age. It was, you know, you were tied to the land pretty much.
0: Right. I don't, I, um, we are going to be talking about quite a few political events that Big Banana is (laughs) wrapped up in, which isn't, you know, what you want your banana company to be doing. But, uh, I guess if they want to get their cheap bananas to the United States, they got to do what they got to do.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) before I go into this, how much have you heard all of this before? So I know uh, I'm going to say it out right
1: now. Um, I obviously, you know, learned a lot of, uh, you know, history back in my college and, you know, watching (laughs) a lot of documentaries. Pretty much if you learn anything about Central and South American history, you're going to hear the name United Fruit pop up quite a bit. So,
0: if I then perfect, you can uh maybe help me with some of this this history and stuff as well. That's what you're good at. You're good at knowing the intricate details that I might not have here. So Yeah, it's oh I was gonna
1: say definitely they did not want a man of the people popping up. They wanted a man of the corporation. Yeah. That's the, the biggest thing to remember every right. time.
0: Right. Um now we'll start off here. Uh, In 1871, a railroad entrepreneur from the United States by the name of Henry Miggs was contracted by the Costa Rican government to build a railroad from their capital city of San Jose all the way to the Port of Limon, which is on the very, very far eastern coast of Costa Rica, which they could then use for shipping into the Caribbean. Unfortunately, Henry Miggs would pass away in 1877. The project would be handed to over to his nephew, which has the inappropriate name of Minor C. Keith. Now, interestingly, apparently Minor Keith had actually been, from wh- how I'm grasping how they explain this, is he's planting bananas for the sole purpose of feeding the workers of his company. He doesn't want to buy him real food. <laughs> So he yep. plants bananas to feed them to these people. Kind of like an evil Johnny Apple seed. It yeah. sounds like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's just spreading bananas all over the forest. That's the, the crazy thing is, like in your mind you're thinking, oh yeah, you're just building a railroad in a country. Costa Rica, just like when they were trying to build the Panama Canal. That's basically they're just going through wild jungle. Yeah. And there's disease, trees, undergrowth, overgrowth. Uh, wild animals. It's insane. Uh Like, people would just die from the elements, you know. You can never be dry during those rainy seasons.
0: It's <laughs> fucking insane. Um, It's funny you mention that because th- when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is Jonestown, which isn't great. Because you remember oh. they moved to uh, Ghana? Guyana. Guyana. Yep. And then they were trying to get through the jungle, and they found it's quite difficult to, to get through the jungle there. So... <laughs> Yeah as we we see this this project takes almost 20 years to get done so it takes Costa a Costa lo- Rica is not a big city or and Costa <laughs> Rica is not a big country. No, yeah. absolutely not. It's it's not very big at all. Now the project continued steadily until 1882 when the Costa Rican government found that they could no longer pay the rail- railroad tycoon. Now, Keith would end up borrowing $1.2 million from London banks to continue with the railroad construction. Eventually, the president of Costa Rica at the time, President Prospero Fernandez, would give Keith 800,000 acres of tax-free land along the railroad route, along with a 99-year lease on the operation of the train route in exchange for the country's debt. So not a bad trade-off.
1: America, that's how a lot of those little railroad towns started up. Was the United States government, you know, there was so much land out west. Basically, as long as those railroad companies promised to, you know, put down a railroad, they would give them a certain amount of miles in every direction. Kind of like on the opposite sides of the, the, the rail line. Yeah. So I wonder if this is kind of the same situation. Also a 99 year lease. That's pretty fucking
0: good deal. (laughs) Well, just eight hundred thousand acres, like that's a lot. Yeah, Yeah, tax free land. Just here you go.
1: Just why of course it is it is probably a lot of like, you know, wild fucking jungle and shit like that, but Yeah, that's, it's definitely a good way to start a fucking, you know, banana company at that point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, uh, you mentioned the U S government giving land to people. So my understanding is let's say Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, they gave a lot of land or they were offering land to like Norwegian or German immigrants because nobody Mm -hmm. wanted to come here and it was kind of similar to their homeland. So they're like, come on, go over there, have some free land. (laughs) In at the time, just wooded nothing. Oh, yeah.
1: Oklahoma was basically given away for, for <laughs> you know, there was huge land grabs where people would just come out. And then the funny thing is there was a lot of propaganda about how good the land was. And then people got there. They were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you can have it back. The Homestead <laughs> Acts. A lot of people did give up their land, like give their land back. Like, okay. Nah, that's not worth it. I'll go be poor in Boston again. Yeah, it's fine.
0: This place sucks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Definitely. Now, when the railroad project was completed in 1890, Keith was receiving the income from the passengers who would use his railroad route, but it was turning out to be not quite as lucrative as he was hoping it would be. Uh, and he he was finding he was having trouble covering his own debts. So what he decided to do was to allow them to grow bananas on all that 800,000 acres of land he owned, and then he they would use his railroad to transport said bananas, which could then be transported to the United States. In 1899, Keith found himself being on the wrong end of a deal when Hodley & Co., which was a New York broker, went bankrupt and caused Keith to lose million dollars, which 1899. Whoo, that is that's like some Elon Musk money right there. Like holy fuck. Now, oh definitely, yeah, that's fucking that's painful. (laughs) (laughs) But Keith, minor Keith here, he's got he's he's he found a quick solution. Okay, to fix his 1.5 million that just vanished, he agreed to participate in a merger, which included his fruit company. Tropical Trading and Transport Company and Boston Fruit, which Boston Fruit was getting their bananas from Jamaica. So now they're kind of covering a bigger land um, if they merge them all. And then they come to form the evil company that you have alluded to, Phil, United Fruit Company. Yes. So, yeah, I I don't know where Tropical Trading and Transport Company was mainly. Focusing, but we know Central America was kind of Keith, and then Jamaica was Boston Fruit. Yeah,
1: so you you do see a lot of these big trusts starting to pop up in America. Obviously, this would be very illegal. Uh, like in a well, actually, wait, night eighteen ninety nine. So it would start becoming more and more illegal as uh, some of the big robber barons were fucking over the country. What? But, out out in the out in the badlands out there. You could totally do it and you're fine.
0: Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but even in the early 1900s like the what did they even call that where you're getting paid company like coupons and not like actual money? Oh, that's been happening. Yeah, so company script. Yeah, yeah that's been ha-
1: that actually there are still towns that fucking do that kind of shit where they pay you in like company dollars pretty much. Uh, so, yikes. I mean, it's it's really not as popular as it used to be, but it was huge uh back in those days. Yeah, back in the 1800s early 1900s.
0: It's a scary it's a scary notion. I don't ever want to be paid in clinic dollars like I would be and I'm sure you don't <laughs> want to be paid in fucking helicopter dollar dollars. Like <laughs> we don't need any of that.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And this, the real shitty thing is basically you have to go to the company store. The company store and the company, it all kind of works together to fuck over the workers. So say you have 500 company bucks, which bought you, you know, all of your groceries and everything you need. Now, all of a sudden, $500 in company bucks is only really worth $300. Yeah. So they basically fuck with the value of it, making it, oh, yeah, it's worth, uh, you know, 80 80 cents to the dollar. Oh, now it's only worth 65 cents to the dollar. And then basically, you also are forced to live in their tenements and pay their rent, which they set also. So it's just, it's a horrible deal all the way
0: Dude, Bezos wishes he could do this so badly. Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah, for sure. They still do this shit in China.
0: Yeah, I I don't doubt that at all. Um, Now... This is kind of where I think the United Fruit Company kind of takes an interesting turn because basically Minor Keith is pretty much disappeared from the story at this point. Um, the owner of Boston Fruit, who was who a man named Andrew Preston, he would become the quote unquote president of United Fruits. Keith my, or Minor Keith would become the quote unquote vice president, but they're more just people collecting paychecks. It's, Kind of my understanding here, the yep. new the new face of United Fruits, and all honestly and a real asshole was actually Andrew Preston's lawyer, <laughs> Bradley Palmer. Now, from what I was reading, is Bradley Palmer had helped Andrew Preston get himself in, out of some pickles. Okay, he really helped him make some big bucks in some shady scheme. So. Brady Palmer, he's he's a bit of a huckster, he's a schemer, he, he, for the time period, is what I might consider a sociopathic capitalist, which was totally acceptable, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. Under Palmer's control, United Fruit quickly bought out 14 of its competitors and found itself controlling 80% of the banana trade in the early 1900s, which... Can you even imagine how much money these banana boys are swimming in right now? Definitely. Yeah.
1: They have the market completely cornered. It's runaway capitalism. I was going to say, though, Bradley Palmer, even if you met a Bradley Palmer nowadays, you would know he's the uh, dude you're going to meet whose dad owns a yacht, basically. (laughs) You know, and he calls it his yacht, but it's really his dad's yacht. And, you know, pretty much that douche.
0: (laughs) I almost felt bad even saying his name because my lovely nephew is named Palmer, who's like the sweetest boy ever, and I hope he doesn't grow up and be a real asshole like this guy. I think Palmer's the last it's the Bradley part. The yeah, Bradley okay.
1: Palmer. Yeah. yeah Bradley uh, Palmer.
0: Okay. <laughs> the thing when I was reading this, I've just it just was so weird that some dude's lawyer had weaseled his way into basically controlling the company yeah i mean
1: it's it's one of those deals where you know if you owe somebody your life you're gonna you know make them a pretty powerful guy but i mean you're pretty it's pretty smart kind of like how you really think about it somebody who wins the lottery nowadays they say the best thing they can do is put it into a trust and then kind of make like the lawyers in the trust the face of the money rather than you you're kind of taking the heat off of
0: yourself right though so. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I won the lottery, I'm definitely have like an offshore corporation who is the winner of the money. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. I don't want I don't want anybody to know it's me.
1: Yeah. No, I wouldn't even quit my job. I would still go every, (laughs) every single day. People, I wouldn't move out of my apartment. No one would know I had any more money than what they thought I should have.
0: It'd be yeah. I I don't know. I would have a tough time going back to work again. I would have a real tough time. I didn't say forever. Okay, <laughs> <You> <laughs> just so you got the money. Like one day I get a wild hair up my ass and move. You know, all of a sudden, like six months later. I've but, he- yeah. I've heard, and I know we're off topic, but I've heard, like, okay, let's say you win the lottery, right? You're waiting for the money to come in. You can get like a quick loan of like a million because they know you're going to instantly pay it back. And then you can kind of get your shit set while you're waiting for the money to come in. I would watch
1: out for that because you never know. They might put some little clause in it that your interest is, you know, a thousand percent per day with one of those situations. It
0: could be. Yeah, you got to. You got to have somebody you trust, I guess. As long as it's not like United Fruit Lawyer Service, then I, <laughs> I think you'd be good. But continuing on here, in 1901, the government of Guatemala would, would hire United Fruit Company to manage all of the country's postal service. Then by 1913, United Fruit would create something known as Tropical Radio and Telegraph Company, which according to the documentary meant that they controlled all of the telegraph and radio lines in large portions of Central and South America, which meant terrible leaders who were in cahoots with United Fruit could then use these telegraph and radio lines to spread propaganda and all that other horseshit, you know, similar to what you might find on your uncle's Facebook page nowadays. Just imagine your uncle's Facebook being broadcasted to you over a radio. And the radio the only thing you have for enjoyment. Yeah, I was going to say, this is almost like a company, imagine
1: Amazon being able to take over the internet in entire countries or entire regions of the world. I It's pretty much the exact same thing. They're controlling all of the information too. So anything bad that they do doesn't get out anymore.
0: I mean, let's be realistic, Phil, though. In not such a hostile way, there is certain companies who do control the internet that you basically can't get away from.
1: That is true, but not like
0: this. It's no, 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 no. This is real. They don't control the the valve. Yeah, this is really in your face. Oh yeah, definitely. This is this is direct control. Yeah. The you know monitor comes to be like, you don't have to have us, but you're gonna like they just like why wouldn't you have us? We're the best. You gotta have us, man. And we're the only one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. For me, it's Cox. For you, it's I think MediaCom, <laughs> Comcast. Right? Oh, Comcast. Yep, yeah, them bastards. Fucking assholes. Now, by 1930, United Fruit owned over 3.5 millions of million acres of land all over Central America, South America, and the Caribbean, which was given the moniker of the Banana Republic, not to be confused with that store that I've literally never been in. Have you? I've been in once, and I bought some shorts.
1: That uh, I wore one summer and then I I haven't touched them since.
0: (laughs) Did you go in and be like, so are these clothing made on the blood of cheap labor, (laughs) uh, you know, in like South America? That's pretty much. That's what I'm going for here.
1: (laughs) It's basically what you would wear if you were a
0: douchebag on vacation in one of these countries. Right. You would
1: wear these clothes. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Now, United Fruit at this time, and we got to remember, I, I think this is kind of considered like acceptable, but United Fruit became the poster child for a U.S. company using exploitative labor practices in poorer countries to maximize profits for the fat cats back in the United States. Additionally, because United Fruit helped lift up these poor countries' economies and help some of the political figures, you know, gave a little wink, wink. Uh, it yep. gave immense power to United Fruit in these companies. So, you know, as no shock, as you mentioned, revolutions such such, these poor workers eventually were going to strike back at United Fruit. Um, but as we're we'll get into here very shortly, the the workers they've got a very tall uphill battle if they want to go against United Fruit. And the company who are basically, you know, United Fruits cock is in the country's ass right now. Like, that's how closely tied they are together. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah,
1: basically the tail is wagging the dog pretty much. It's, you know, all of that money from United Fruit is only going, it's only really benefiting the top one of 1% of the people in the country and everyone else is just getting fucked and it's
0: their labor labor that's being exploited. Right. But you know what I mean? I feel like in the thirties it like people were lauded for, oh, you're you're getting cheap labor overseas and man, you've got quite the income here. Like I feel like that was like an acceptable thing. Now we just pretend like it doesn't exist, even though it very clearly does. Um you know what I mean? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It was the moralities have changed. Yeah. A lot. It's you know, we see them as people now. <laughs> when Back then, they did not see them as people. No, hap- absolutely. Just look at any propaganda about um, basically like Asian cultures. You know, back, they did not consider uh, South America, they didn't consider those like people either. It's just, you know, very horrible the way they treated
0: people. I honestly, this whole, like we, like I said, we joke about evil companies. I don't know. This is a, this might be one of the worst companies that I've ever heard of.
1: Oh, it's definitely, yeah. It's the prototype. It is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. I mean, this is, they're known for being the worst. Like when other companies are bad, they compare them to United Fruit. <laughs> the term Banana Republic like, basically means like a company that controls a country. And that is in reference to United Fruit. Like it's, yeah. That's not good.
0: It's not good. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Now in 1928... Colombian workers in Cienaga rose up and began to strike and they 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 made a list of demands that they wanted out of United Fruit which uh, I have here I want to keep in mind too this is estimated to be around 30,000 workers striking which is quite a few now their demands were stop their practice of hiring through subcontractors mandatory collective insurance Compensation for work accidents, hygienic dormitories and six day work weeks, increase in pay, f- in daily pay for workers who earn less than 100 pesos per month, weekly wage, abolition of office stores, abolition of payment through coupons rather than money, and improvement of hospital services. Can I say something here? Uh, some of these things, like, people still fight for.
1: Yes, there are definitely, and also 1928, um, kind of the, it was the progressive era in the United States. So a lot of, you know, United States companies, workers were going through the same thing just a few years before. So it seems like it might've maybe filtered down to uh, United Fruit in South America, but the same things that they're trying to fight for, American workers were trying to fight for too.
0: Gotcha. So maybe they, you're saying maybe they saw the u.s fighting for it and they're like hey we can do this too possibly yeah i mean
1: maybe even there was you know there were there were figures in the labor movements in the united states that would go around to different companies in the country i don't know if anyone actually went down to Colombia, but that'd be interesting also i wanted to say just kind of going down these like line by line stop their practice of hiring through subcontractors <laughs> that's actually a very good thing or you know, for the companies, that's something that a company will do to kind of keep like uh, people from being like full time employees, yeah. Like actual, because it's it's a lot easier to fire someone when you can say, "I'm sorry, your contract ran out," rather than "you're fired." Yeah, you know, here's basically. Th- there's a- all you ha- yeah, all you have to do is just say "get lost," and they can't say anything.
0: Well, I don't know about Arizona, but I I remember there's a few jobs where they've hired people through like either temp agencies or or subcontracting to hire or whatever, Um, they basically give you a time frame, and if you don't meet whatever within this time frame, you'll either get let go or they'll hire you on. And if they want to save money, they let you go for when they need you. And then they'll call you back three months later, ask you to come and do the same job, but
1: guess what? Now the clock starts over again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of shitty there. Now- as any good, greedy American corporation is wont to do, representatives from United Fruit began to spread the word that these striking workers were nothing more than communist radicals. This false, false report would be sent via telegraph to different government officials in the, U- in the U.S. who in turn pressured the Colombian government to put his foot down on these fucking commies. A General Cortez Vargas and 300 troops were then dispatched to deal with these quote-unquote commie strikers. The soldiers armed with machine guns were stationed on rooftops and they closed off side streets so these people basically couldn't get out of there. The date was December 6th, 1928, which was a Sunday, which meant a lot of the workers and their wives and children were gathered in the city center not only for church services but also um, they thought the government, the governor, was actually going to give them some some information because all these soldiers were here. Maybe some relief, maybe some good news, like the the corporations agreed to do X, Y, and Z. Well, instead, what they got was the soldiers opening fire upon them. Allegedly, this is allegedly here. The colonel, or the general, said he issued them a warning that they had five minutes to disperse, but he claims they didn't do that, so they had to just start opening fire. The exact number of people who died is completely unknown still to this day. According to General Cortez Vargas, he claims it was only 47 people, but some estimates have been as high as 2,000 dead people, uh... Now, as far as the bodies, they're never found, but some think they were thrown in a mass grave and some think they were dumped in the ocean. So, uh, not the best way to handle a labor dispute. How do you feel, Phil?
1: No. Yeah. So in America, it was usually the Pinkertons mm. who would come out, but they also did end labor disputes by calling in the military. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, no, they're uh they're evil communist terrorists. Go uh go wipe, you know, go take care of them. And then you know, a few palms got greased, of course. So
0: I mean, let's be uh, realistic here. The America blaming people for being communists, uh, nothing new. Nope. It's just the way they kind of describe this is these poor people were literally, you know, like stuck in a main street, and these dudes just like fired guns down from the buildings and there is nowhere to go so it's it's really fucked up that this company is responsible for this you know
1: oh well, yeah it's i mean basically just for people saying i don't want to work for you anymore or if i work for you i would just want better that's the thing a lot of what they were asking for is just pretty normal stuff <laughs> even like pay us in real money not coupons you know <laughs>
0: coupons Drink coupons. You know damn well Walmart wishes they could do this to uh, some of those workers asking for better treatment. Well, if the fucking
1: American dollar gets any worse, then pretty much Walmart will be paying their people and company script. Because <laughs> what do what do Walmart workers do with their money? They usually
0: turn around and just buy stuff from Walmart. I know we need to you know? we need to stop feeding Walmart honestly, but um the th- I saw a video today. And it really fucking annoyed me because it was the Walmart worker was like helping him with sporting goods or something. And there just happened to be a basketball hoop on display, right? Well, this dipshit like jumped over this guy's head and dunked on him, basically knocking him over just to like, you know, get on YouTube or whatever. And I'm just like, what a fucking douche. Yeah. Well, I mean karma usually comes back around and maybe his house will start on fire or <laughs> something like that. Get in a car accident. I mean <laughs> I mean I mean uh, yeah, karma karma will get you usually eventually. Now, let's let's go for a little good news here. Uh the plantation workers in Costa Rica were actually successful during the great banana strike of 1934 which saw workers' rights increase, and several different countries would begin to tighten down on their labor laws, which didn't make a company like United Fruit very happy. And hold on, catch your jaw here, Phil. Uh, United Fruit actually decided, we're not going to comply with these new labor laws, and instead they found themselves constantly being fined for violation of the new laws. They're basically not being as fined as much as they can, you know,
1: profit. So, (laughs) oh, yeah, fine. Oh, it's whatever. What's the fine? 30 grand. Okay. Well, you know, by by breaking these labor laws, we made, you know,
0: 18 million dollars extra. So, yeah, here's your 30 grand. Whatever. (laughs) It's fine. It's all good. It's such a fucked up mentality. Yep. There was another big event that United Fruits found themselves in the middle of happening in 1952. Now, the government of Guatemala began returning United Fruit's, the the United Fruit Company's unused land back to the citizens of Guatemala who had no land. United Fruit, even though they weren't using the land, they were not happy about this. So they started to mount a very intense misinformation campaign labeling the Guatemalan government as nothing more than. Communists. And additionally, they would lobby to the U.S. government. They needed help with these fucking Guatemalan commies who were destroying their company. In 1954, the CIA was involved in something known as Operation PB Success, which was a covert mission to get rid of the then democratically elected Guatemalan president, Jacobo Arbenz. Uh, and install a military dictator known as Carlos Castillo Armas. Uh, who he, this guy was apparently the very first U.S.-backed author- authoritarian ruler. Now, you you know you can comment here. I want to say United Fruits. I feel like began the the what is it, avalanche? They like started it and then the CIA kind of finished it off. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It was just the, uh, (laughs) just the,
1: the straw. Well, I mean, so at the time, obviously, you know, uh, 1950s, we were basically at the precipice of the cold war. And, you know, you had the, you know, you had McCarthy, uh, all of this bad shit happening where like, everyone's a communist. There's a communist under every rock. And then all of a sudden there was also the domino theory, which was basically saying that, you know, China fell. You know, all of these other countries that Russia took over after World War II basically were falling to communism. You know, they were worried that communism would just basically take over the entire, like, Europe in the United States, which was, you know, Europe and North America is what they were really worried about. They were worried about, you know, all of these countries kind of coming together to fight the United States. And you know Western Europe so that is I do remember reading about uh, this takeover in Guatemala. Uh, everybody likes Ike you know he was <laughs> kind of the one who was uh, behind
0: it Eisenhower out there now no correct me if I'm wrong but I was my understanding is the leader wasn't a communist but- no uh, well, I mean
1: obviously you know this was a socialist program. Um, most countries have socialist programs. you know, you really can't have you gotta you can't be totally you can't be totally capitalist yeah, or else you end up living in a total fucking shithole nightmare. like Chile tried to go a uh, total capitalist after they took down the democratic elected uh, Allende government. and basically that was um Augusto Pinochet who everyone's heard about him. He was one of those iron-fisted rulers who killed a lot of his own people.
0: Yeah, they're not a, not a good guy, basically. Oh, definitely not.
1: Yeah, and United Fruit Company, you know, they had all this land, but it was basically just an asset for them. You know, and they don't want the people having that land because then they could be so su- become self sufficient. Yeah, which a company like United Fruit does not want. No, they do not want the poor in those countries to have anything.
0: No, no, absolutely not. Um, God, I swear, you know, obviously you did a whole episode about you know Dick Nixon. Uh yep. he loved to scream communist. So did was he like a an intern for <laughs> United Fruit or something at one point? Like. I don't know. What's going on here? Well, Nixon was Eisenhower's vice president. Yeah, there so you go. This
1: did happen during the Eisenhower administration. But yeah. No, it's just, you know, I mean, you basically just have, what, a 40-year a span, you know, ending pretty much with Reagan and Bush Sr. of throughout from, you know, 1946 until the 90s, really. It's just anti-communist everything. You know, it it went up and it went down. It heated and cooled at times, but really, you know, nothing good about communists. Like, there was nothing good about socialism at all. Even though the United States had a bunch of really good socialist programs that everyone liked, they still didn't like the idea of communism because it, it really wasn't the thought of the programs or communist you know, kind of agenda. It was all, you know, Castro and Stalin and just basically kind of like what would United States would become Russia. You
0: know? Yeah. I mean, people still spout that from the rooftops uh, as the last few years have proven to us. Um, yep. The internet's given them a nice little platform. For that, <laughs> the Red definitely. Scare's back on Facebook, guys. Go check yep. it out. Uh Now, in 1968, a real cool guy by the name of Eli M. Black purchased 733,000 shares of United Fruit to become the single largest shareholder. In June 1970, Black would merge United Fruit with his own company, AMK, to create a United Brands company. Now, his company was meat, I believe, so it's just fruit and meat now. it's all it yep. is. Now, Black wasn't the best businessman, and United Brands quickly found themselves accumulating a immense amount of debt, uh, which was only made worse when Hurricane Fifi destroyed a huge swath of their b- banana plantations in Honduras in 1974, which really set them back as far as uh, pro- uh, you know income there. In 1975, Eli Black committed suicide by jumping out of his window, which was located on the 44th floor of the Pan Am building in New York. Gotta say... Probably one of the worst ways to commit suicide, and I will talk about why he probably did that in a second here. But, um, yeah, have you heard of this guy before? No, I've never heard of this man Okay. I I will say, though, Hurricane Fifi sounds like
1: one of those little ankle-biter dogs. (laughs) What happens when they destroy a room?
0: Ah, shit, Hurricane Fifi came through. (laughs) Ripped up all the furniture. It honestly sounds like one of the Hilton's missing children that just— throws a fit when they don't get their way and just tear the shit out of your room. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so (sighs) Eli Black here, let me tell you why I, they don't say directly, this is why he killed himself, but it seems a little suspicious to me. And after he was dead, they started to, it started to come out that he was actually (laughs) being investigated by the SEC or Securities and Exchange Commission, which you don't want these guys breathing down your neck, I can tell you that. Um, they were actually investigating something that would later become known as Banana Gate. In 1974, the country of Honduras had passed a law that was going to increase the export tax on bananas from 70 or from 25 cents to 50 cents per 40-pound box. Now, Black had actually paid. The then Honduran president Oswaldo Lopez Arellano $2.5 million, which was conveniently placed for him in a offshore Swiss bank account to lower the tax, which Oswaldo did by returning the tax back to 25 cents per 40 pound box.
1: And I imagine that little $2.5 million is just a drop in the bucket compared to a quarter tax per 40-pound box. Imagine how many they, you said they probably, well, I don't know, that was a long time ago. They controlled 80% of the bananas. They still probably control a shit ton of the bananas on Earth. For every 40-pound box, an extra quarter. That's fucking
0: crazy. I it, it didn't say specifically, but I from reading through the tea leaves, I think Eli Black actually hurt the company a lot. And I think um, this is kind of what I've gathered is I think this is where they kind of had to give up some control that they had. And then they have, you know, like this might be where or Dole started to come from. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Like, I think he put him in so much debt that The company was hurting for a while. Yeah. Well, it's mismanagement, you
1: know, just like uh, basically how many companies are started by like genius entrepreneurs and then their grandson takes over after they die and just runs that bitch straight into the fucking (laughs) ground. Just it goes straight. All the money goes straight up their
0: nose. (laughs) I'm sure Eli Black had quite a bit of things going up his nose, if I had to guess. (laughs) Definitely, living in South America, yeah. (laughs) Now, after the death of Eli Black, a Cincinnati-based billionaire by the name of Carl Lindner Jr. would purchase United Brands in 1984. Lindner would decide he's going to go ahead and rename the company to Chiquita Brands International as we, we all know it today. Now, one might think that maybe... Now that United Fruits is all gone, Chiquita Bananas, they're going to stop with all the illegal bribes and such, but uh, as we found out, they still have some pretty good proof that they've been doing shady things all the way up into the 2000s, probably still to this day, and it's also noted in the documentary, it's not just Chiquita, Dole is going to be getting into what I'm going to be talking about here in the next section Um, So don't think these guys have just given up their bad habits. Yeah, that is a hell of a
1: rebrand. You go from being like the descendant corporation of an evil fucking empire to we're the bananas with the sticker with the big titty girl on it. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) she's having a good time. uh, We're all about the big titty girl with the fruit on her head. That's it. That's uh, That's all we're about. It's cool, people. Don't worry about it.
0: I mean, they know how to distract people.
1: Oh, definitely,
0: yeah. <laughs> Deep bananas, big titty sports girl, yeah, it's all good. Now, uh, what I'm going to talk about here, I'm hoping maybe you know or know a little bit more about these organizations I'm about to talk about because I don't really know that much about them. I'm just going to kind of give an overview here. Now, this is kind of the documentary focuses back on Colombia, the Columbia and the bananas there. In Colombia, there's a group by the name of FARC, which is apparently mean, or which apparently means the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. They are a pro-Marxist-Leninist guerrilla group that has been starting conflicts since 1964 and still exists to this day. The polar opposite en- enemy of FARC is a group known as the United Self-Defenses of Colombia, or AUC, which is a far-right paramilitary group which funded itself via drug trade and other nefarious illegal things. And, and which one do you think the United States funded? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to guess uh, AUC. Actually, I don't yeah. know. Okay. did is it? Do you know for sure they funded them?
1: Well, no. So the United States was funding all of these right-wing paramilitaries. Gotcha. There was the School of the Americas where they were basically training their officers um, A lot of the future leaders, uh, you know, authoritarian leaders of these countries that were known for, like, fighting the communists were trained at different military bases
0: in the United States. Gotcha. So. Well, then they probably were, but, you know, who else was continu- <laughs> continuing to fund them for a very, very long time, Phil? I'm going to guess Chiquita Bananas. Y- yeah, Chiquita Bananas. Um... Man, they they had, like, some people on, you know, like, victims of this AUC. God, they would just go into villages. They would say, oh, your men are members of FARC. They would kill all the boys and men and leave, like, the women and children. Of course, they would additionally rape the women and children. It was just, it was not, it was bad. Yeah, it's just...
1: Destabilizing too. We were kind of talking about how, you know, United Fruit or United Brands at the time, whatever it was, didn't want the people to have land because then
0: they become self-sufficient.
1: This is also kind of the same destabilizing measure where you just go in and cause havoc.
0: Oh, uh, like AUC? Hey, that's kind of what, what uh, you believe they're kind of doing? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Going in and uh, I mean they're claiming that oh yeah, they're one of those communists in this village. But really it's about sending a message.
0: Right. Um actually you know what you said about the the Americans um helping them. They might have, but I forgot. They the document really goes into the AUC was almost like they were like birth from like a Pablo Escobar type of thing. Like do you know what I'm saying like his private guard military thing, because that's how they kind of grew, was protecting drug drug traffickers and things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, that's just like how we were talking about Doriega, Pablo Escobar. A lot of those guys weren't seen as the bad guys for a very long time by the United
0: States. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Now, kind of with Chiquita Bananas paying this guerrilla group for quote-unquote protection right uh it it actually was later found out that the protection they were paying for were definitely not for the field workers not at all they were for their products and they were for to keep the higher up executives safe they didn't give a shit about the field workers Um, they would later find out that Chiquita would pay uh AUC in 1997 what they claimed was only $1.7 million, but apparently records later showed that, and I don't know how big of a gap this is, somewhere they've paid this guerrilla group $51 million. $51 million. That is quite a bit, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you could buy...
1: You could buy a lot of bullets, grenades, sticks of dynamite, (laughs) jeeps, anything you want. Fifty-one million dollars buy you a lot of that shit.
0: Yeah. Oh man, they were showing like the deaths related to the AUC, and um, up till their their graph showed up until I think two thousand four, and it was like a thousand twelve, or it was like twelve hundred people killed by AUC in Colombia. Seems like quite a bit for a apparently legitimate company in Chiquita Bananas and Dole to be paying these people.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's basically just becoming like a mercenary group. Yeah. They're just being paid to go in, protection, every
0: once in a while go fuck somebody up. <laughs> you know what What the uh, kind of the fucked up thing here is, and I think this is the only reason why Chiquita Bananas even got found out they were doing this, was because post-9-11... With the in- introduction of the Patriot Act, AUC was actually labeled as a terror terrorist organization in their paperwork.
1: Interesting. So, so actually, <laughs> fucking uh, Bush. Well, not you know Bush. Cheney. Cheney actually went against his own. That's pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> uh, you think he's in cahoots with Chiquita? Oh, the the AUC. Far uh, right groups. Oh, uh, right, right, Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Let's okay. not let's not pretend Bush even knew what fucking day of the week it was.
0: No, <laughs> it was Dick No, Cheney. we yeah we knew. Paul Rove. We knew we knew exactly who was in charge of that. Um, so I think because AUC got on this terrorist list, Chiquita Bananas was like found out, and they were telling him, "Hey, you need to quit doing this. You need to quit paying them." But they actually didn't quit paying them. Allegedly until 2004 and their excuse was actually that no 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 we're not paying them for protection we're being extorted by the AUC in Colombia we have to pay them (laughs) uh and this is you know old Barry Satiro we love you but it was during the Obama administration Chiquita Bananas was finally punished for this and they were ordered to pay fines but the kicker to all this was that all the executives who were charged or these charges were against, they were allowed to remain um, completely anonymous. Of
1: course they were. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) They're probably some of the dudes who are in and out
0: of government positions. God, it's so fucked up. Yeah. But it's just, God, what a fucking douche company. I'm going to kind of talk about the documentary. I'm going to give a quick overview of kind of the main thing that they focus on, and that is Chiquita and Dole using pesticides that are illegal and using them on people in these countries. Um, basically, the story goes, there was a chemical plant in California. The workers started getting like losing pigmentation in their skin, and then they found out they were all sterile, right? Mm-hmm. Company was going to go bankrupt. They were saying the American government was like, you can't use this anymore. Take a guess who bought the surplus of <laughs> the <laughs> pesticide <laughs> and uh, like had the company continue to make it for them it was Chiquita. And yep. they just started spraying this all over these. And there was all these poor people who are sterile. And there's all these kids who have all these learning disabilities that might be in correlation with all the sprayed pesticides that are not regulated there. It was, it was really sad. Oh, well, that happens all the time. There's a story of uh, when DMT
1: became illegal. The, uh, basically the bug killer, and pretty much it just they you couldn't sell it in the United States anymore. So it just got
0: sold to countries and companies around the world. <sighs> and, oh yeah, here here's a discount. Just take it. You know? Oh God. Well. Kind of the final few messages we got here. Um, now, apparently, Dole and Chiquita, big fans of suing anybody who talks bad about them. So, all the fans out there, pray for Phil and I that <laughs> we we will not get taken down by Big Banana.
1: Oh, God, they're going to take my for Verano. <laughs> what am I going to do?
0: <laughs> Can you imagine getting a letter from these, these companies telling us to take it down?
1: Oh, we're gonna sue you for ten million dollars, dude. You might as well sue me
0: for ten billion dollars. <laughs> you think I have ten million? <laughs> I ain't got shit, dude. You can leave fucking. No. You can throw a banana with a note on it through my window. I'm still not. We're not backing down, sir. Um, yeah. So after all this banana information, uh, you know, I know it's not feasible for everybody, but there are banana companies out there that have are like farm bananas with proper treatment of the workers they are a little more expensive obviously but you can go around dole and chiquita and not allow them to continue to harm these other countries
1: yeah basically it's kind of like um i'm guessing you're gonna say like whole foods or you know like you know sprouts they have those bananas that are like the different shapes and sizes are you like the organic ones? Are you saying no, like those guys?
0: No, on the on the documentary, they're bananas that look like your everyday bananas, but they you'll see on the label that it's like not Dole or Chiquita. It, it'll say like I don't know, farm raised or locally raised or something like that. Like it's the same people in the countries making them. It's just not via bad practices.
1: Ethically raised, yeah. pretty Much,
0: yeah. yeah. So. Obviously, bananas are popular because they're cheap. I mean, do you remember how much your 12-pack of bananas or how many ever you got was? Oh, and it's usually by weight. And I believe
1: at Safeway, you pay maybe, I think it's like 97 cents per pound. Yeah. And a bunch of bananas is about a pound. So if you buy, like, I think most I've ever bought was like eight and it was less than a dollar fifty. Yeah, so it wasn't wasn't that bad.
0: Yeah, and apples, right? Apples, they're they're like three, four times that much, and they're fucking grown here. Like, oh yeah, there's. I mean, you can. The funny
1: thing is, it's kind of a pain in the ass. But a lot of people out here, if they have a, a backyard, like a decent sized backyard, they'll grow like oranges or lemons in their backyards. Yeah, but it's a pain in the ass because it it makes so many oranges. Basically, everyone like. During you know when you go harvest, no one wants to be your friend because you're always trying to push a fucking shopping like a like a full bag of bananas on them <laughs> or a full I, bag of uh, oranges on them. No I, one likes it.
0: I feel like that that our version of that in the Midwest is tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchini, uh, onions, and potatoes. Like remember, everyone's got a fucking garden and they have so much of this and there's you, it won't last forever. So it's like. Come take some of my shit before it rots and the bugs get it. Tell them to
1: can it, and then I'll get your yeah. Like make <laughs> salsa, make me some fucking salsa. That'd be awesome. The uh, or corn on the cob too. But I'm always, you know, corn on the cob is always fucking welcome. Can you grow corn there? Yeah, people grow corn here. You can grow fucking, you can grow corn anywhere. I was you gonna put say- enough. Honestly, they put enough water on the dirt; they can grow anything out here.
0: Uh, well, so. I mean, even corn even here grows in like barren, dry as dirt. So, uh, you know, if you water it, I'm sure... Like, it seems like a plant that can survive a lot of different climates. Oh, yeah, and there's
1: multiple growing seasons, too, in Arizona. So it's not like you can only grow it during, like, the summer. And you can grow it, like, all year round pretty much out here. Actually, you probably couldn't grow it in the summer because it's probably too hot and dry, though. So. Hmm.
0: I don't know. We'd have to have a, ask a corn expert. Um, okay. <laughs> Next week, folks, we're going to have a corn on the cob. (laughs) We're going after big corn and that cocksucker, the jolly green giant. You're next, you son of a bitch.
1: No, I, well, I always tell people about sweet corn days back in Lime Springs and they can't believe that, a you know, the entire three day event, they just give out all that sweet corn and watermelon. Yeah. And watermelon. You just walk up and grab it. It's all free. And then you pay for the brats, which they're oh God. You can't get that shit out here, but uh, enough about food. I'm fucking starving.
0: <laughs> all right, Phil. Uh, did you learn some new information about Big Banana or you pretty? did you kind of know a lot of this?
1: I knew a little bit about the, the dictator shit, but I did not know all about kind of how bad they were with uh, FARC and AUC. And just kind of, you know, all the bullshit that they were pulling up into—I can't believe it was up into the two thousands. They were still pulling that shit. That's pretty
0: crazy. I would bet my left testicle they're still paying guerrilla groups or private militaries in some of these countries. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I bet. It's it's
1: just a it's just another wing of the company.
0: Right. I probably just pay him in fucking cash and it's untraceable but anyway uh if anybody wants to give us their opinion on bananas or if they're going to change their thought on bananas where can they contact us Phil
1: I will say it would be funny if they paid far or the uh, gorilla groups and company script <laughs> that would be hilarious but they could actually get a hold of us at our email subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com uh, it's great to hear from everybody love all of the you know people telling us what their favorite episodes were giving us ideas for new episodes it's all great uh, also if you really want to get a hold of us an even easier way subliminal deception podcast on instagram uh it's pretty easy to find just put the name in there um, you know, we get uh, quite a few new followers every week. So thanks for everybody who's jumping on board. All the likes and shares, all the encouragement. It's all good. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is Phil. Cody, you have one?
0: Yeah, you can follow me at Cody's above. Uh, Give me a follow. I'll try to follow back if I can catch it in time. Uh, send me a message. Talk to me. Do whatever the hell you want. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave the show a five-star review, Doesn't really matter what you say, just five stars type Merry Christmas. I don't care. If you are a Spotify user, it's even easier. You simply hit the five stars, hit submit, can't even type anything. Thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that. Well, I hope uh, everybody enjoyed us tackling old big banana. Never thought I'd ever say that in my life, but here we are. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.